Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad that you're here this morning and glad to have you joining us online. For those of you who are tuned in on uh, Facebook or YouTube or Living Hope Live or whatever, however it is that you're participating this morning, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. That we really do believe that's true, that whether it's, a, whether it's a holiday or whether it's raining outside or whether we're in the room or watching online, that however it is, God is able to meet us in the reality that we live in. Uh, we, know, we know that for some of you, uh, today is a day full of joy and thanksgiving and celebrating your mother or celebrating your kids, celebrating you or whatever. For some, today is a day full of pain and grief. And uh, some of you uh, didn't want to be here today because it's just too painful to be in a church on Mother's Day. And uh, you feel like you've got to smile even though you don't feel like smiling. And um, the beautiful thing is God meets us right in the middle of all of that. God meets us where we are and gives us his grace, gives us his comfort, gives us his love. So let's bow our heads and let's pray as we begin today. Thank you, God, for the chance we have to gather together, whether here in the room or online. We get to meet with you today. So thank you, God, for gathering us. Thank you for inviting us to meet with you. Uh, we are hungry and thirsty uh, for a connection with you, the God who made us, the God who loves us. Uh, so please, God, today... Would you help us to have hearts and minds open to you, to hear from you, to meet with the God who made us and who loves us? Uh, in the songs that we sing, in the scriptures that we will hear proclaimed, in uh, the gathering together around our Lord's table, in all that we do, God, would you meet us here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's continue the prayer that we begun with these songs. God, we are grateful to you that you meet us here and you do speak to us. You give us words of encouragement and hope. You give us words of, of challenge. You make promises to us that we know you are able to, to make good on, to fulfill. Thank you, God, for the life that you bring to each one of us as we hear your spirit speaking to us and letting us know that we are loved by you, the God who made us. The God who cared so deeply for us that when you saw us stuck in the mess uh, that we had made of our lives and of this world, uh, when we had brought nothing but, but pain and death by our own disobedience, by our own sin, God, instead of rejecting us or instead of condemning us, you instead entered into our brokenness, entered into uh, the pain and the grief that we had brought upon ourselves so that you could take that on yourself in your son, Jesus Christ. And give to us your healing, your wholeness, your life. Thank you, God, that today we get to be uh, the recipients of your amazing grace, your great love. As you, as we sang, as you revive us again, as you make us alive. Thank you, God. Thank you that today we don't have to come to you perfect, already having figured everything out, already having cleaned ourselves up, but today we can come to you just as we are, with all the good and the bad and the ugly, and offer it all up to you. God, on this, um, on this Mother's Day, you know that, that some of us, our hearts are just filled with joy and thanks to you for the amazing moms that, uh, that you uh, allowed us to have, mothers who... Uh, channeled your grace and your love into our lives. 
And some folks here, God, they're, they're so thankful. They're receiving honor and celebration today as moms. And, and, uh, and God, our, our hearts celebrate with them. And, and we honor the, the work that they do and, and pray, God, that you would bless them uh, in, in return for all that they give of themselves. God, you know that uh, that's not the case for all of us. That there are some here that this, this holiday brings, uh, brings so much grief and pain along with it. I mean, we have folks just in our little church who have faced abuse at the hands of their mothers, for whom that relationship has been, uh, has been broken for what seems like forever. God, you know, some are on the flip side of that. We've got moms in our church who's, who are estranged from their children, whose kids have, have wandered far from their hopes and dreams that they'd had for them. Kids and grandkids where relationships are strained or broken. God, today we, we lift those relationships up to you and pray for you to bring your, your healing, your grace, your peace. God, you know the frustration that so many feel on a day like today. Uh, people who have wanted to be parents and have been unable to. Uh, people who have lost children. People who, uh, this is the first Mother's Day without that mom in their life that they are accustomed to celebrating on this day, whether a, a mother or a wife or even a daughter. God, we need your comfort. We need your strength. We need you today to come and to wrap your arms around uh, those of us who are hurting. And maybe you'll use our arms to do that, God. But at the very least, by your Holy Spirit, God, that you can remind us that we are loved by you and that you are with us. God, you see every hurt, you see every pain, you see every grief, and you bring your comfort, you bring your healing, you bring your strength. Thank you, God, for all of those uh, who do the work of mothering, whether they get that title or not. Uh, for those who, uh, who care for kids in the church, who care for kids in their extended families, in their neighborhoods, those who do this, this work of compassionate care in, in all sorts of different ways those who challenge, those who comfort, those who help, those who heal. Thank you, God. Thank you for those who do this for us. Thank you for those that we get to see around us who uh, provide such blessing to our church family and to society. And God, we thank you for being the, uh, the ultimate parent. We call you Father, but we know, God, that you do that, that same mothering work for us that we see in, in those little hints in Scripture of you being like a mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wing, of you nurturing life uh, at your bosom, the Scriptures say. God, thank you for giving all of us life here today. You are the reason that we are here. You're the reason that there's breath in our lungs. You're the reason that we have hope for a future, for a life that is more than the, the life that we had made. Help us today, God, to trust in you. We give you thanks, God, for your presence here, for your word that speaks. Help us to have hearts and minds open to you and open to each other, God. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, 
if you want to take a minute to look around at least, uh, I hope soon that we're able to walk around and hug each other and shake hands and do all that kind of stuff. But at the very least, give somebody a wave, uh, say, oh man, hey, it's good to see you. And, and uh, these are people that hopefully afterwards you can connect with and chat with a little bit, you know, with your masks on and all that good stuff. Uh, I, there's this weird thing going on now where there's all this like, oh, are you vaccinated? I'm vaccinated. Oh, okay, good. All right, we can take our masks off. Okay. As, uh, as we're figuring out this whole weird transitional time that we're in, um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Hey, thank you to the Svalbard family for leading us musically today. We are so grateful for your willingness to offer your gifts to us today. And, uh, and I want to thank uh, Pastor Judy. She's going to come in just a minute to, uh, to bring the word to us today. Um, I had... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad that we have uh, Pastor Judy on staff here as our associate pastor, and uh, I'm glad that she was interested in preaching today. I, you know, she preaches about every six weeks or so, and uh, with Mother's Day coming up, I asked, you know, do you want to preach on Mother's Day or near Mother's Day? And is that like a weird thing? Like, oh, we've got a woman, we've got to have her preach on Mother's Day. Uh, I didn't want to do that or whatever, but she was like, no, no, I'd love to preach on Mother's Day. That would be awesome. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Um, to those of you who are joining us online or in the room, if you'd like, you can go to livinghope.info connect, and you can fill out that little digital connect card and, uh, and connect with us. Uh, or if you're in the room, you can grab one of those little green cards in the back and drop it in the offering box. Uh, if you want to give today, obviously you can give in that little box, or we can all go to livinghope.info slash give and give there. Uh, there's one opportunity that I want to highlight today, an opportunity to give that uh, we don't always highlight here. Uh, but on Mother's Day, usually we have the little baby bottles on the tables, and they're not doing that this year. But the Women's Center of Northwest Indiana uh, is a, an agency that's got, um, I forget, five or six locations around Northwest Indiana, specifically trying to help uh, women who are struggling to choose life for their unborn child. And so if you would like to support their work, we invite you to do that, encourage you to do that. Uh, you can do that at their website, friendsofthewc.org. Um, that's for people like us who want to support them, who want to pray for them, who maybe want to volunteer with them. Friendsofthewc.org, there's a little pink donate button up in the corner. And, um, or if you know somebody who needs help, you can just send them to thewc.org. Uh, it's not a TV station. That always reminds me of the W, was it the WB or the whatever. There were all those TV stations that all they changed around, and I, I got them confused after a while. But um, yeah, the WC stands for the Women's Center, the WC.org. And uh, or I sent an email out this just a couple days ago, I think. Uh, if you didn't get that email, please let me know. We'd love to make sure that you get the emails from the church so you stay uh, up to date on what's going on around here. But uh, that included that link and their phone number and, and other information as well. Uh, another way that obviously we would love to have you give is uh, by participating in the 6K, the global 6K for water that World Vision uh, puts on every year. Uh, we have been hosting it for several years now, and today is their last day to use this little $10 off promo code, Empower Moms, uh, that'll give you $10 off your registration, which for an adult brings it down to $40, or for a, an 18 or under brings it down to 15 I guess, to participate. And um, I would love to have, I mean, frankly, I would love for all of us to participate in that. If you haven't signed up for that yet, I, what's stopping you? Come on, let's, let's, <laughs> let's get on this team. Let's, uh, let's change some lives together. Um, I was just reading this last week, um, and I think, I can't remember if I included that. I think I included that in the email that I sent out. Just reading a story of Irene, a young girl, um, I can't remember which country it is that she lives in now, uh, but there are some really cool pictures there with the story on World Vision's website. Talked about the walk that she had to do multiple times a day for their family to get water and that her mom had to do multiple times a day. It talked about the impact this has on, on girls, on mothers, and what a difference it made a year later, they were able to update us that their community had received clean water. And instead of having to walk for hours a day, they could just walk a, a, a few feet to a little water kiosk in their community and, and get water, clean water that didn't make them sick, uh, that had changed their lives. So 
Go to Valpo6k.com, sign up if you haven't already. Uh, even if you don't want to come out and walk with us on May 22nd across the street at Old Fairgrounds Park, you can walk wherever you want to. Or you can just, like I think I've joked before, you can walk on the couch. Just move your feet a little bit and pretend you're walking 6K. I mean, uh, and, but join the team and participate with us. And um, it's, the, it's the dollars that you give that provide the clean water. Uh, the walking is our way of kind of joining with them and understanding just a teeny little bit of like, man, this is how far they have to walk every day just to get water that isn't even all that good. So anyway, so that's an opportunity to empower some moms in other parts of the world uh, to change their lives for them and for their children. Um, was there something? Oh, yeah, next week we start this big question series. I almost forgot. Um, and some of you have finally gotten around to sending me some questions. I just got a big, long list of questions from one of you uh, a couple nights ago. Thank you very much. Um, and I'm going to do my best to tackle as many of those as I can. Uh, some of you have some big questions. Some of you have some awkward questions. Some of you have some tough questions that you think maybe there's not a good answer for in Christianity or in the Bible. Um, if there's something that you've been grappling with, you've been dealing with yourself, or that you know you have friends that are dealing with, or you're trying, just trying to figure out, please let us know, uh, let me know. Uh, because next Sunday we start this little series on uh, exploring some of these questions. And I'm not sure how many weeks we'll give to it exactly. It's a little bit open-ended, so... Uh, but we do have plans for, for later in the summer. So if you have a question, we'd love to, to help you tackle that. All right, I have talked enough. Uh, I think it's time for Pastor Judy to come up and share the good news with us. Pastor Judy, excited to hear what God has laid on your heart to share with us today. Thank you, Pastor Rich. Um, yeah, he did ask me if I wanted to do this. And now, well, last night I was kind of rethinking maybe this wasn't the best idea, but... That's just my own nerves, I'll be honest. And, and I do appreciate the opportunity to be here. I know for a lot of clergy women, and in my, for myself in the past, we've not been given the opportunity to be the voice of women in the church. So I do appreciate that. And um, I, I'll be honest, I'm really excited for this upcoming series that Pastor Rich is going to do on the questions. I put a couple on there myself. And uh, it's going to be really exciting. So... If you have questions, I encourage you, send them to him. I, I, I kind of, I don't want to see him squirm necessarily, but I'd be interested to hear how, what he has to say about some of these questions because, you know, we, we've got different backgrounds and different, we're just different, and it, I'd like to hear what he has to say personally. I want to I learn. So let's dig into the message, though, that I believe God gave me to share today. Just a little background. I grew up in the church I've been, growing, I've been going to church pretty much every Sunday since um, the Sunday after I was born. My mom and dad brought me to church. I have gone to Sunday school, children's church, Bible quizzing, VBS, church camp. You name it, I've been there <laughs> all my life, pretty much. And um, at any and all of these things, I heard Bible stories. Do you, do, does anybody remember Bible stories? You know, you hear about all the people in the, in the Bible, and I would hear stories about the heroes of the Bible, people like Adam and Eve and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Moses, Joshua, David, Solomon, Jonah, Noah, Elijah, Ezekiel, Ruth, Esther, Caleb, Gideon, the 12 disciples. I'm not going to try and name them. It's like trying to do the, the um, Santa's, or the, the reindeer, yeah. I'm not going to try it because I'll miss one. Um, Paul, Silas, Timothy, Priscilla and Aquila, Lazarus, and many more. Maybe you're seeing a pattern here. I know I did. Somebody's shaking their head, yeah. 
Most of these heroes, most of these stories are mighty men of God. The stories of the women I did hear were mostly told in context to how they related to the men in the story. Now, before I go any further, I just want to say, this is my caveat, I am not bashing men this morning. I promise. I promise, okay? The stories of these men and their obedience to God and God's faithfulness to them was foundational for my spiritual formation. They are crucial stories that we need to know and we need to tell. But what I didn't realize until fairly recently, though, is how many stories of the women of the Bible are equally amazing and telling of God's faithfulness and mighty working through an individual that's fully surrendered to God. Turns out there's a lot of them. And I've included a number of them on the back of your handout. Now you'll notice there's only a book of the Bible where they appear. I didn't make it too easy for you. You're going to have to read that book to find them. But they're in there. And this is not an exhaustive list. If you go to Wikipedia, not always a really good resource, but Wikipedia lists every woman named in the Bible. There's a lot. Okay, some of them are fairly small or seemingly insignificant to a story, but they're all there. <clears throat> but this morning, we're going to look at two, two particular women. Before we do that, though, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit. You see, in Genesis, God created everything, and he called it good. Now, we're going way back, okay? He did. He called everything good. But in chapter 2, verses 18 to 24 of Genesis, we read, Then the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed. He was excited. At last. This, is one, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, there's a lot in that story we could talk about, but what I want to look at this morning is the word helper. In the, the word in the original Hebrew, as best as we can understand, comes from two Hebrew words, ezer kenegdo. <laughs> Pastor Rich is confirming. Good. I'm, I'm on the right track. It says, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm really not. Um, I didn't have to learn Hebrew in my studies yet. But there are people who are experts, and they are scholars, and they've explained that the meaning of those two words are very different than what helper means to us in English. When we think of helper, we think of an assistant, or someone who's there to lend a hand or support someone. The picture that comes to my mind is a child who's helping their parent. Um, helping them with a task the child wouldn't be able to do on their own. And, and as a way of the the parent to teach the child to do that task. I think of, of you know, a child helping mom 
do dishes or sweep or dust or um, a child helping dad work on the car or mow the lawn or whatever. And those, sorry, those are very, very, very um, typical gender roles. So forgive me for that, but that's just what comes to mind. But that is not the picture we have here. The word Azar can be closely translated as warrior. It comes from two root words meaning to rescue and to save and to be strong. An Azar protects. An Azar delivers. An Azar goes to battle. An Azar reflects the image of God who is our Azar and our shield from Psalm 33:20 and my Azar and my deliverer Psalm 75. So contrary to what many of us have come to believe or may come to believe, women were and are not created to be meek little creatures relegated solely to the home with a narrowly defined role in the world. Women were and are created to be whatever and wherever God has given them. So with this in mind, I want to talk about these two women, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, who are vastly different from each other yet crucial to the story of God and his work in both of these covenants. First, let's take a look at Judges 4, starting at verse 4. Deborah, the wife of, and I'm going to, if I butcher this, I'm sorry. If you know what these words say, then I'm going to apologize. The wife of Lapidoth was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, And the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day she sent for Barak, son of Ebenoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Caesarea, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Caesarea will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him, and Deborah also went with him. Now, at this point in history, in Israel's history, they had had three judges who had turned the people back to God when they strayed and did evil in the sight of the Lord. Deborah was the fourth judge of Israel and the only female judge. She is described as the wife of Lapidoth and as a prophet and was judging Israel during this time. Now, one of the roles of the judges was to lead armies into battle when the enemy nations threatened Israel. It would have been unheard of at this time for a woman to lead a nation, uh, to lead an army. But when Deborah told Barak that God had commanded that 10,000 warriors be called out to confront an opposing army, Barak's reply was that he would go, but only if Deborah came with. Deborah agreed to go, explaining that Barak was going to get no glory for this victory. That would go to a woman, and it wouldn't be Deborah. There's a lot more to the story, and spoiler alert, (laughs) the honor for the defeat of Caesarea would go to a woman named Jael. She's one of the women listed on the back of your handout, and I encourage you to read the rest of that story. 
While Deborah didn't necessarily fight in the battle, her role as prophet was crucial to the victory. She would have been there to encourage the troops with words and songs from the Lord. And no other woman before had ever been in the position of prophet and judge. Her obedience and boldness were critical in the defeat of the enemies of God and his people. Now we're going to look at a woman in the New Testament. We don't even know her name. She is only called the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. Now Samaritans, they were considered to be half-breeds by the Jews. They weren't worth even speaking to or considering in any way. And they would never have been touched or um, interacted with by a good Jew of that day. They did believe in Yahweh, but they didn't worship God in the temple. And so it was really strange that when Jesus and his disciples stopped at the well, and Jesus sent his, his disciples away to find food, that he would have been talking to a Samaritan. And not just a Samaritan in general, but a Samaritan woman. At first, all he does is ask the woman for a drink of water as they were sitting at Jacob's well. And it really shocked that woman that Jesus, who was a man and a Jew, would be asking her for anything, let alone a drink. We pick up in verse 10 of John 4, and this is a little long. Hang in there. Stay with me, okay? It says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, Jesus says, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Well, the woman then questions how Jesus could give her water when he didn't have a rope or a bucket with which to draw any water. Jesus replies to her, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. The story doesn't end there, though. Jesus and the woman discuss the worship of God and whether the Jews or the Samaritans are right about where they worship And Jesus explains what was coming, and there would be a time where it didn't matter where you worshipped God, that we would worship in spirit and in truth. Now, there's a lot more in this part, but for the sake of time, we're going to set it aside and maybe come back to it another day. So let's pick this up in verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. 
When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. There is a lot to unpack here. <laughs> this was a long passage, and I, I don't really apologize for that, but it, there's a lot, okay? But I want to focus on the part of the story where Jesus, in talking to this woman, tells her that he knows about her five husbands and the man she's now living with. You see, there was a reason she was at the well in the middle of the day, according to verse 6. This woman was seen as a woman with no virtue. She'd had five husbands and was not even married to the man she was living with. The other woman, women, had she gone at the same time as them, would have side-eyed her. And ladies, we know what the side-eye is, don't we? Hmm. Yeah, they would have side-eyed her. <clears throat> they would have whispered about her. They likely would have even said really ugly and mean things right straight to her face. So she chose to come to the well at the hottest part of the day just to avoid them, to avoid being shamed over and over. And I've always understood from the Bible stories I heard as a kid that the Samaritan woman was a woman of loose morals. But as I've studied and learned more over the years, I've come to understand her in a much, much different light. You see, in that time and culture, a woman didn't survive without a husband and or sons. They would starve to death. An unmarried or widowed woman didn't make it if she didn't have a man to care for her. Also, women couldn't obtain a divorce from their husbands at that time. Only a husband could divorce his wife, and he really didn't even need a reason. He could just do it. And having learned these things, I see this woman in a totally different light. She hadn't left her husbands necessarily. It's far more likely they divorced her and tossed her out. The only thing she could do was find another husband, which she did, five times. Each time being tossed aside with seemingly no concern for her well-being or her safety. The man she was living with at the time of this story was the closest thing to survival she could find. And learning this has given me a much greater compassion for the Samaritan woman and how she reacted to Jesus. You see, Jesus saw her. He really saw her. He didn't just glance past her, but he looked at her. He looked in her face. He looked in her eyes. And then he knew her. He knew her story. He knew her shame. Yet he spoke to her with love and compassion, revealing who he truly was, the promised Messiah. You know, when he says, I am the Messiah, that I am, that word for that, is the same word that God used to Moses. When Moses said, who do I tell the Pharaoh has sent me when I go and ask for the, the Hebrews to be released from slavery? And God told Moses, tell them I am has sent you. So not only was Jesus saying that he was the Messiah, but he was also identifying himself as the I am, as God to a Samaritan woman who'd had five husbands and was living with someone who wasn't her husband. That didn't make any sense 
at all in that culture and at that time. She believed who Jesus said he was. She believed him. And so because she did, she brought her entire village out to Jacob's well to see and hear this man who knew everything she'd ever done. Through her belief in Jesus and who he is, many of that village believed. This woman was the first pre-resurrection evangelist. She had no education, no religious credentials. All she knew was that this man saw her, knew her, and he was the Messiah. Now in both of these stories of Deborah and the Samaritan woman, we see two people, two women, who are very unlikely heroes. Neither of them really should have been in the places they were by the cultural standards and norms of that day. Yet God had given each of them a job or a task to accomplish. For Deborah, it was bringing about the victory of the armies of Israel. For the Samaritan woman, it was proclaiming the truth that Jesus was the promised Messiah. So how are these two women relatable to us today? It's not very likely that any of us here are going to be a prophet and judge over a whole nation. That those, those positions don't really exist anymore for us to apply for, right? And I don't know that we'll necessarily evangelize an entire village, necessarily. You never know. But I believe that each of us has been given a job or a task or a calling or whatever, you wanna, whatever term you want to use. We've been given this by God to bring about his kingdom here on earth and proclaim to those in our villages who Jesus really is, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the one who came to die and be resurrected so that we can be forgiven of our sins and be in right relationship with God. Okay, now guys, you're not off the hook here. I know I've been talking to the women primarily and talking about women exclusively. But the lessons in here are universal and they cross all gender boundaries and gender lines. So if you've tuned, in, tuned out, guys, I ask you to tune back in and listen. Because you might be saying, Pastor Judy, you don't understand. You don't know what I've been through you or who I am or how hard it is for me. You don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. I have no idea for many of you. I'm still new. I'm still learning your stories like you're learning my story. But God knows. God knows better than you do what you've been through. He created you to be just who you are and has uniquely gifted you to do just what he's asked you to do. It doesn't matter what anyone has told you about yourself. And you know what I mean, right? Those twos, the T-O-O's, you know, you're too young or too old, too pretty or too plain, too big or too little, too bossy or too compliant. I've been told that a few times. The bossy side, not the compliant side. Too loud or too quiet, once again. <laughs> too silly or too serious, too holy or too sinful, too feminine or too masculine, too smart or too dumb. But we are none of these things. You are exactly who God intended you to be for whatever it is he has given you to do. 
You might be saying, but I have no idea what God wants me to do. I've asked, and he hasn't said anything. But I have a feeling that he probably has talked to you about what he wants you to do. Maybe it came as a thought or a crazy idea, and you, you pushed it aside because you assumed about yourself that there's no way God would ask you to do that. He would ask someone else. But what I need to tell you this morning is that anyone, anyone who acts in obedience to God, God will make them into the person he needs them to be to do the thing he has asked. I would never have imagined myself standing here when I was a young mom. <laughs> Trust me, this was the last thing I thought I would be doing. <laughs> Yet God has brought me through a process. And he will bring you through a process as you walk in obedience to what he's told you that he wants you to do. It might not be a call to ministry. There's only so many people that can be called to ministry. It may be a calling to minister to your neighbor or minister to moms that live in your, in your city that don't have a lot of support. Maybe at the Women's Center for moms who are struggling to keep their babies. It may be fill in the blank. But God will bring you through the process, though it may be painful at times, to make you into who it is he has asked you to be so you can do what it is he's asked you to do. And if, you, if we live in obedience... And I have found this to be true over and over. If you live in obedience, God will show his faithfulness. And through him, you'll be able to do anything he asks of you. Now, we might not be a Deborah, or we might not be like the Samaritan woman, and that's okay. Because in him, you are enough. In him, you are enough. Someone, I really think someone, either in this room or out watching um, on Facebook Live or on YouTube later, I really think someone needs to hear that. In God, in Christ, you are enough for whatever he has asked you to do. And you are precious to him, and you are becoming just the person that he's designed you to be. Now I ask, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we read these stories sometimes and we think, God, I would love to do big things for you. I would love to be a Deborah. I would love to be famous and well-known in, down in history for someone who did great and mighty and awesome things for you, Lord. But Father, more than that, I just want to be who it is that you have asked me to be. I want to do what it is you've asked me to do. Lord, that's the desire, the deepest desire of my heart. And Father, I ask this morning that as we think through what has, um, what's been said this morning, the message that you've given, Lord, I just pray, Father, that those crazy ideas, those thoughts that you've given us, that have challenged us, Lord. And maybe we've pushed them aside and said, Lord, there's no way I can do that. 
that you would again bring them to our minds. And you would begin to do the work in your people that you need to do so that they can be and do who it is you have for them to be and what it is you would have them to do. You are a great and mighty and awesome God, and you have done great and mighty and awesome things for your, through your people. But, Father, you've also done the little things and the quiet things. You see us. You know us. You've loved us. You've encouraged us, whether it's been through your Holy Spirit or it's been through other people who love you. Lord, I pray that as we walk through this week, I pray that your spirit would speak to us. That you would be real and almost tangible to us, Lord. And that in turn, we would be obedient as your people to whatever it is you say to us. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you for being here with us today as you've promised. We thank you and we praise you for the way you've worked in our lives, for those places where you have shown yourself to us, Lord. And we trust that you will continue to do so. And now, Lord Jesus, who in a wonderful sacrament has left to us a memorial of your passion, grant us, we ask, so to the honor the sacred mysteries of your body and blood that we may ever perceive within ourselves the fruit of of your redemption, who lives and reigns with the Father and Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Now join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Once again, thank you for coming to us in the midst of our broken, sinful reality in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that today... Uh, you invite us into this life with you, this, this renewed, redeemed, this new life with you, trusting in you. And you invite us not just to have our sins forgiven, but you invite us into this wonderful opportunity, multiple opportunities, to be, to be partnered with you, to be used by you in sharing your grace and love with the world, as we've just heard about today. And we do pray that your Holy Spirit would come and meet us here in this sacrament as, as we lift our hearts to you and give you thanks for all the ways that you've shown us your love, but most especially in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We lift up to you these gifts of bread and juice and pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, reminded that you came to us in the, the tangible, touchable reality in which we live that this is where you meet us, Lord Jesus. We offer you our lives, ourselves, who we are, God. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence, we might be changed, that we might be transformed from uh, the dirty, rotten sinners that we have been living lives for ourselves 
that we might be changed into your sons and daughters, that we might be rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the glorious kingdom of your son, that we might be changed from the inside out as you fill us with your love and you change the ways that we think, you change the ways that we act, you change the ways that we uh, relate to the people around us. Thank you, God, for your transforming love that you give us in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, if you're with us in the room, you've got some uh, little containers there with, with bread and with juice. If you're gathered with us uh, from home, hopefully you've had a chance to gather some, some elements yourselves. Um, we're reminded that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated that Passover meal with his disciples. He took bread and, and gave thanks for it and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. After the meal, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. We do remember, Lord Jesus, and we give you thanks for your willingness to give all of yourself to us. Today, would you help us to receive this gift of your life by your Holy Spirit? so that we might be changed, so that we might be revived, so that we might be alive with your love, with your hope, with your joy. Thank you, God, for your transforming work that you continue to do in each and every one of us as we trust in you. As we prepare to go and to leave this place, uh, would you help us to go carrying with us your love, carrying with us your grace to all those you will send us to. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I did need to mention uh, real quick, uh, I forgot to mention it earlier, that we have a gift for all of you, uh, but specifically it's for you ladies here, but I think we have enough that if you're a guy, you might want to take one too. Uh, there's a whole bunch of these little books. It's by Beth Moore. Uh, it's called Promises for a Fruitful Life, and uh, they're on the table out there as you, as you leave. I was just flipping through it just now. It's, it's good stuff. It's real simple stuff, and, and it all addresses little situations. When you feel, um, when you grow impatient, waiting for your life to change, when you feel unsettled, when you feel like you don't measure up, when your daily struggles feel overwhelming. And for each of these little statements, gives a little passage of scripture and just a, a few words of encouragement. So uh, please grab one of these books on your way out. They're there in the hallway. And, um, and then I get to leave you with this, with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.